Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am... I mean, we've had church, Lord. <laughs> we've already had church. We've had church as... We, we watched how the mission is going around the world and we're a part of it. And uh, we've watched how You deeply love us as Tyler led us into communion. We have prayed, we've sang. Um, God, we've been bathed in the Gospel already. Um, and if by Your grace... Um, just for a few more moments, you, you, would, you would do that again as we open the Word. And as Ephesians, Ephesians, how fun is that to say, God? Um, um, as, as it pops off the page and, and kicks off 2021, what a book that you've given us. I, I do pray that there's not a soul in here who's able to walk away going, wow, Ephesians doesn't speak to me. I pray that every single soul will have to say, that Ephesians is speaking to their hearts. Um, so, God, speak beyond the voices of mortal men and by Your Spirit, just show up. I mean, you, you show up already, and that's just what you do. You're omnipresent. But be manifest. Move in our midst as we look at these words. Um, let them come to life in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Ephesians, so we, <laughs> we are kicking off the book of Ephesians. Welcome back, everybody who skipped out while we were going through the book of Revelation. Um, but we, we are now in the book of Ephesians. 2021, I, I will say this, if you don't know our church, and most of you do, Scripture is, that's the key. We, everything drives Scripture. As a matter of fact, the kids who are back in here will come out in a little bit and they'll have little pieces of paper and they'll tell you about the scriptures that they've learned. Uh, the youth on Wednesday nights, they, they teach the scriptures and you can ask your youth, okay, what are, they, what are we learning? Scripture is everything to us. And so we'll kick off 2021 just like we've kicked off every other year with a brand new book of the Bible and Ephesians it is. And so uh, maybe a good question, and it'll be on the screen, to kick off this series is just this simple question. Is true stability even possible on earth? Um, have you ever been in a place in your life where, where you thought to yourself, you know what, I, I am in perfect stability. Like I've arrived at stability. Have you ever hit that? Where, where you were like, I've found relational stability. I have found financial stability. I have found emotional stability. I have found... Uh, have you ever reached a place where you've just felt like, man, I've got this thing licked. I am stable. I'm concrete. I'm, I've got it. Have you ever found that place? I mean, maybe only if you were on the beach and had a couple of them funny colored drinks with the little umbrellas in them. Maybe then you were like, I found peace. That's not real life. Have you ever found real stability? Like, is it even possible in life? And the reason I ask that question is because I, I think we would all say, no, I hadn't made it there. Because if life teaches us anything, it teaches us instability, doesn't it? I mean, just kind of walk through the phases of life, if you will, with me. Just relive these moments. Toddlers. I mean, there's a reason that they're called toddlers anyway, right? Toddlers, if anything, teach us that they're just walking instabilities. Um, all of a sudden, they begin to grow up, their legs begin to work, but their legs don't work as fast as their brains, and so they just start bumping their faces on everything. Parents with toddlers, can you affirm that? 
Um, they hit their faces on tables. They hit their faces on fireplaces. They hit their faces on the floor. They hit their faces on your face. They're just walking instabilities. And then after that, you kind of get into the school days. The school days are anything but stable, right? Who am I? What should I wear? Where do I fit in? Am I athletic kid? Am I artsy kid? Am I smart kid? Am I not so smart kid? Um, which group do I fit in? Should I wear deodorant? Yes, Cole, you should wear deodorant. What clothes do I wear? Do I wear makeup? What music do I like? Who do I date? All these questions. Will acne ever go away? You hit that phase of instability. So we're from toddlers to school days, maybe then the college days, we're going to find instability negative. <laughs> Come on, we all know what goes on in college. Who am I going to be? Where am I going to be at? Am I going to drink? Am I going to this? Am I going to party? Am I going to be disciplined or am I going to be fun? And who is going to pay for all of these bills that I am racking up? College shows us the instability phase. Then we get on to marriage. Now, marriage, that will bring stabilities. Negative. You're going to put two sinners together in a house who are already unstable, and now they've got unparalleled stresses, whether it be financial or communication or whatever it is. And then you throw a baby in the mix who's going to start bumping his face on everything. Right? That doesn't bring stability. And then we go, okay, well, maybe just in life I'll find stability. Well, here are the top four news headlines from AP News. And I was just kind of thinking through this yesterday. These are the top four headline news at 1.04 p.m. yesterday on AP News. Tried to find something that was more centered for us. Trump left many clues he wouldn't go quietly. Once again, job losses fall all across the U.S. economy. Number three, family remembers fallen capital officers. Number four, Indonesia jet carrying 62 goes missing on a domestic flight. Again, the question is, is it possible to ever truly find stability, true contentment, true joy on earth? Is that ever even something that we can find in a world that feels like it's going to implode at any given moment as... Kim Jong-un starts ramping up nukes again. In a world that continually floods us with frustration, whether it be racial tension or political tension or restrict this or don't restrict that, can you ever find true stability in a world that is more separated than ever before? Now, I love Zoom. Zoom's cool. But Zoom is no uh, substitute for real rubbing shoulders with one another, is it? Is there ever a real stability? Well... Here's the deal. I think after we went through all that, you might be prone to go, no, there's not real stability that could ever be had on earth. But the good news this morning, followed by more good news this morning, is that in Ephesians, God indeed screams to the believer these things right here. Yes, absolutely for the believer, there is very real practical stability that can be found right here, right now. Look at all these that the Lord promises us. Exclusive grounding, real grounding, practical grounding, concrete post-like grounding, unshakable grounding, peace-giving grounding exists for the believer. And that gets us to the book of Ephesians. You think it's going to speak to you? It will, man. I mean, unless y'all want to go through the book of Revelation again. 
We can do it again if you want to. But this is where we're going to be. And this is going to be a fantastic uh, 14 weeks that we go through this together. I'm going to pop this on the screen. We're not going to have a time to really go through it. So if you want to take a picture of it, you feel free to do that. It'll give you an idea of where we're headed. Um, this is what Ephesians is going to show to us. Okay, That was a little bit overwhelming as soon as that popped up, wasn't it? Well, we're going to chew through that for about 14 weeks. Ephesians will show us both doctrinal stability and practical stability. That's how the whole book plays out. Chapters 1 through 3 will be about how we have stability in the doctrines of Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 will show us how that plays out practically. And so this is the book of Ephesians. And so doctrinal stability, we're going to see who we are in Christ, but more importantly, who Christ is in us and how that brings a very real grounding. And then that's going to play itself out practically in the last three chapters. So if you're asking yourself, okay, what's Ephesians really going to be about? This is what it's going to be about. It's going to be about being faithful, how being loved affects our stability, how being useful affects our stability, how being holy affects our stability, how our families affect our stability, how church life affects our stability, how being spirit-led affects our stability, emotional health how that affects our stability. Uh, just as a precursor, we're hoping to do an emotional health conference and bring somebody in in the fall. So that's going to be really cool. Uh, spiritual gifts. I mean, we're not going to be in Ephesians in the fall, but that's where we're kind of headed with that. Um, spiritual gifts, how they affect our stability. How living new, how love, how marriage, week 12. We will have a marriage conference and bring uh, Bill and Holly Elliff in. That's going to be awesome. Uh, that will be at the end of March when we hit this section here. Along with that, we're also going to have a singles conference, and Nisha Smelly is going to lead that from Capstone. And so we're going to do those simultaneously right here in this room all together. More on that later. Um, how submission affects, how spiritual warfare affects. This is an incredibly practical book. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. And so that's where Ephesians is going to take us. And Paul's point in all of this is just simply this. Until we understand the wonderful provision that God has supplied in what He's done, we will never find true joy and stability in what we do. Until we discover all that Christ has really done, which is how Ephesians begins, and it's it's, it's mind-blowing what he's really done for the believer. We'll never find a real joy in what we do. And so that's how the book's going to play itself out. In other words, he wants us to realize who we are and then act out of who we are in him. It's kind of like a bullet. If, if you have a bullet, it can be incredibly stabilizing or it can be incredibly frustrating. And it all hinges upon if you understand where the power from the bullet actually comes from. Maybe here's a better way to say that. So if I'm a hunter and I have a deer in front of me and I have a bullet that promises me grounding and stability and, and this is going to have its effect, okay? The bullet in and of itself promises great reward, but it does nothing on its own, does it? If I chase the deer and throw the bullet at it, it's not going to do anything. The, the deer might look at me and laugh. Ha, 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 ha. You know, but it's just going to be frustrating. It's only when we understand what propels the bullet 
fully that we can embrace the grounding that we really have. And that's what Ephesians feels like. It's going to promise there is great stability. And right off the get-go it says, but you will never understand it and you'll be frustrated by it unless you understand where it comes from. And the where it comes from is who you are in Christ. Does that make sense? It's a cool book, man. And so in other words, I guess what Paul is saying is something like this. Only when we understand what Christ has already done for the believer will we ever experience joy in what we are doing. Frustrated at work? If you're a believer, it's because you're forgetting something here. Frustrated at home? It's because you're forgetting something here. Frustrated with your hobby? It's because you're forgetting something here. Does that make sense? That's what Ephesians is going to scream at us. There is a joy to be had in Christ. A real joy, a real peace, a real sense of grounding. No matter if the world has fallen to pieces, there's a real stability to be had. But you will never understand it until you understand what Christ has done for you. How He's propelled you. How He's changed you. How He's morphed you. How many of y'all have read Ephesians 1? Just read Ephesians 1 today. That's my, that's my only challenge to you. Just go read it. And I think you'll be blown away with what Christ has done. And that's the point of Ephesians. Is to get us to see. And once we understand what He has done... We will find true joy in what we are doing here and now. So, without further ado, church, the book of Ephesians. It starts just like any other traditional letter. Um, so, verse 1 is going to say this. It's going to say, from who? From who is this all about? So, from who? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So, for those of you taking notes, let's just kind of go through this. Paul. If you don't know who Paul is, that's cool. That's okay. You're in a safe place. Um, Paul was formerly named Saul. His mom would have been enamored with uh, King Saul, who was kind of the pinnacle king of the Hebrews before David and all of that kind of stuff, the, kind of the first person. So he would have had this name. I want my son to grow up like, right? So we did this with Kobe. Um, as you all know, many of you know, we named him after Kobe Bryant. And you see how that turned out with his basketball skills um, <laughs> as he plays music. Yeah, so, but this kind of would have been what Mama did. Uh, Mama named him Saul. But then the Lord met him. He, he was a guy who walked around, killed Christians. And as he's killing Christians and bringing some of them back, the Lord meets him on the road to Damascus. This is in Acts chapter 9. And in that moment, changes his name from Saul to Paul. And he says, you, the one who used to kill Christians, are now going to go carry my message around the world and actually proclaim the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, those that you're trying to kill. And so in that moment, things change. His life changes, and Paul becomes the guy who writes 13 books of the Bible. So this is how this begins. So Paul, this guy, an apostle by the will of God, now, you could read that one of two ways. Uh, somewhat him bragging, if you will. I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, therefore you better listen to me. I don't, I don't think that's what's going on at all. I think what he's saying here is, I'm, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle. Meaning, I didn't choose this, but God chose this for me. 
He plucked me out. There was no qualification that I met to earn it. Just by the will of God, He made me an apostle. I, I stand before you as one of you. And so I think this is Him very humbly saying, I, I don't have anything special to offer other than God just plucked me out. So He says, I'm Paul, an apostle by the will of God. And then, he, not from who anymore, but then it switches to who, as any normal letter would go. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So a couple of things there. So this letter is going to be written to the saints. Now the saints are those who Christ has made perfect internally. He's both made them perfect internally, but also positionally. So saints are, are not just people who are sitting in a synagogue, if you will. It's those of which God has redeemed from the inside out. Now here's the good news. How many of you walked in feeling like a saint? Anyone? Raise your hand. In Christ, if you're a believer, you are. You are a saint. You are the one to which uh, Paul is writing this to. You, you're the one that has been washed both inside and also practically. Believers in Christ are the ones who've been made saints. And so he says this, I'm writing this to the saints who are in Ephesus. Very interesting side note, that's not in every manuscript. I'm thinking that this would have been one of those letters that was passed around from church to church to church to church to church. Um, so to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's writing this letter to a specific group of people, the saints, who are faithful. And what does faithful mean? It means twofold. Number one, those who have expressed faith verbally and also believed it internally. That's absolutely a part of, of faith. It's written to those who are expressing faith, who are faithful, saying, I, I trust in the finished work of Christ to cover my sin. I have expressed my faith, if you will. But he's also speaking, as the rest of the book is going to play itself out, to those who are also expressing not just faith, but faithfulness. So because of what Christ has done internally, exposed externally, He's saying to these people who are physically aligning themselves with Christ some, something. So in this room, if you go, okay, that sounds a lot like me other than the whole Ephesus part. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ, I'm writing this letter to the saints who are expressing their faith and trying to align their faith day by day more and more with Christ. Now, there's a lot of people, I would argue most people in this room, who would say, yeah, that's, that sounds like me. It is you. And so this is who this book is going to speak to. And aside from um, God will, will never become a saint, and that's kind of the whole point of all of this. And so he says, okay, for those who are listening to this, who are of faith, who are expressing faith, who are trying to align themselves, you are going to get a double blessing. And that's where we're going to end our time today. And he gives this short greeting. And it's way better than a, you know, kind of a, what's up? <laughs> you are some of the greetings that we do. You know, I mean, we kind of, our greetings are kind of uh, simple, aren't they? How you doing? Because it doesn't require much of us. I mean, what would it be like if we started saying things like, like Paul says? I mean, when he walks up to people, he goes, grace to you. I mean, what if we walked up and started doing that? Number one, people would look at us like we're crazy. But then number two, it would also spur some conversations of, what do you mean by that? 
It's way different than, what's that? You know, whatever. But nonetheless, this is kind of where he goes to. Here's the greeting he gives, which again, where we'll end our time today. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the springboard by which he is going to launch into everything that we are. Starting out with the grand title of those who've been given grace and peace. If you're in Christ, you find stability first and foremost in grace and peace that the Lord has given you. It's rightly yours. It's done. And so let's kind of look through this for a second. Number one, in Christ, if you're a believer, you are given exclusive grace. Grace just simply being God's kindness to undeserving people. Now, I asked you a minute ago, how many of y'all walked in this morning feeling like you were a saint? Nobody raised their hand. How many of you walked in there this morning feeling like you were an undeserving person who didn't deserve Christ's love? Raise your hand. There we go. Now all the hands go up. This is where this begins. He says, if you're in Christ, I know you feel that way. Grace to you. God's undeserving kindness to you. And this really is the only answer to stability from our eternal perspective. Our eternal perspective being that we know that we're sinners and we know that apart from Christ, there's no way we're entering into eternity. And so you'll never find stability on earth until you answer that eternal question. If you can't answer the eternal, okay, what's going to happen, it'll eat you alive, won't it? I mean, you'll think about your sin problem when you're at work. You'll think about it when you're at home. You'll think about it when you're in your hobbies. You'll think about it when you're in the bathtub. Was that too personal? You'll, you'll think about it when you're uh, in school. You, you will constantly wrestle with, there is an eternity. How do I fix that? If you don't have an answer to that, that will always provide instability. But the beautiful news is when you come to fully understand the substitutionary work of Christ, that answers that question. Grace. Grace alone. For those of you who still don't have a picture of grace, and I'm not going to pull out another slingshot, it's this. There's this part of us that's instable that says, no, 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 but I've got this terrible anger problem. Grace says, but Jesus did not. No, 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 but I've got this terrible thought problem. I've got to get this right. But Jesus did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but I've got this terrible driving problem where I cut people off and get mad at them because they're going 35 in a, in a 55 and they really should know better. Why are y'all laughing? People are, why are y'all giggling? Christ did not. And that's the whole beautiful of the substitutionary work of Christ is everything that we jack up, He got right. And Paul begins to say, you want stability? You'll never have it here. But if you're a believer in Christ, stable, grace to you. And that's where it all begins. So this is the beautiful news of Christ. And in that moment, like many of you guys just failed as we kind of thought through the gospel, joy begins to flow. It's kind of like a water hose being cut on. Y'all don't call it water hose, do you? Water pipe. The old debate of whatever that thing is, garden hose, right? Um, that being cut on on a 110 degree afternoon in the summer when you've been cutting grass and it just kind of washes you. When you grasp grace, it just washes you and it brings stability, grounding. 
Grace to you, as the old hymn says. Y'all finish it for me. And there may be only a few that can do this, but finish it for me aloud. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace. Thank you, Miss Julia, Sam. Uh, yeah, grace that is greater than all our sin. And that's where it begins. And if grace is the fountain, then peace is the stream that begins to flow out of it. Second, in Christ you are given as a believer exclusive peace. That just simply being God's shalom over you and to you if you're a believer. This is who you are. You're walking in grace, but you're also walking in peace. And, and this is the only thing that will bring stability, not from an eternal perspective, but an earthly perspective. If you have peace, then it doesn't matter what they say about you. If you have God's peace, then it doesn't matter what they think about you. If you have God's peace, it doesn't matter if Kim Jong-un really does ramp up some nukes and fires one. Like, it really doesn't matter. If you have God's peace, none of that matters. And this is where he's going with this. And the only way to be released from the fear of man, if you will, I guess I'd say it this way, is just to simply be enamored with the peace of God. What can they do to me? If God speaks peace over me, because this place is here today, gone tomorrow. And so this is where peace comes in. If God gives you peace, then others' anger, resentment, belittling cannot destroy you. If God gives you peace, then their questions that are unanswerable cannot crush you. If God gives you peace, then your fears cannot paralyze you. And when God gives you peace, you're free to say, I can't do and be who you want me to be, and I don't care because I don't have to do and be what you want me to be because God has already spoken peace over me positionally forever. That's the good news of who we are in Christ. I want you to imagine, if you will, the toughest thing that you faced in 2020. Think there. Just think about it for a second. The toughest thing you faced in 2020. Does everybody have something? May not be the toughest thing, but a, a tough thing. Think about that thing. Would you be still fearful of that thing or that situation if God stood face to face with you and walked up and said, Hey, in the midst of this, I'm going to be with you. Now, you're face to face with the God of the universe. He also grabs your hand. And he walks up to the situation with you. And then he looks at you in your face. Like this is God in your face. Okay? And he says, hey, peace, I'm going to take care of this with you. Would you be fearful of that situation anymore? Would you be fearful of that situation anymore? No! Not at all! Why would you be? Because the God of the universe is sitting there saying, listen... It's not what you can do, but it's what I can do. And in Ephesians, Paul says to us, if you're a believer, wrap your brain around this, if you will. Like if you really want stability, wrap your brain around the fact that you've been given not only eternal grace, but you've been given peace, shalom over you. I am with you. Doesn't mean that the situation's not real. 
Doesn't mean that the situation doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean that the situation doesn't bring confusion. It just means that in the midst of the situation, you have to hit the pause button and remind yourself, okay, I am of the Ephesians, if you will. I am of the redeemed who's been given grace and peace, and I choose to walk in that. Choose to walk in that peace. This is what Paul says. It's impossible, church, to be through this book and, and not be flooded with the riches of who Christ is. It's just impossible. This is just a foretaste of what's to come. And I want to end with a bizarre but very true story. Picture's going to pop up on the screen. Go ahead and throw it up there. There we go. Hetty Green. Anybody ever heard of old Hetty Green? Hetty Green was called the Witch of Wall Street. Not a very nice name. But let me tell you a few things about Hetty Green, and I think it's so applicable to where we're about to launch into in the book of Ephesians. Hetty only wore one dress at a time until she wore that dress out. It's even said that she would go to uh, the people who eventually cleaned the worn-out dresses and, and demand that they only wash the parts that actually had exposed dirt on them to save um, on water and soap, okay? This is Hetty. She wore that one dress. She also refused to pay for hot water um, so that her family would have to eat cold cereal. All right? She didn't want to pay for any hot water. Something else about Hetty is she, her, her son sustained an injury in his leg, and she refused to take him to a place where she had to pay for this. Uh, so in her search for a free clinic that would take care of her son's leg, her son's leg had to be amputated. Okay, this is kind of the penny pincher that she was. Now, do you want to hear the most bizarre but very true part of the story? It's this, that Hetty was the richest woman in the world in 1900, having easily over $100 million, which would be the equivalent of having $3 billion today. The point in all of this is just simply to say, Hetty had all of the resources in the world at her disposal. But all of her life, she chose to be unstable. She chose that on herself. And I have to ask the question in my life, in your life, when I find instability, if I'm a believer and if this is what's promised, am I being Hetty Green? Am I not choosing to walk in the grace and peace that's been promised me regardless of the circumstance? Hetty also had all the resources in the world, but she chose not to be frugal. She just chose to be recklessly ignorant, didn't she? Three billion dollars and your son's leg gets cut off? That's not being frugal, that's just being a terrible witch of Wall Street. Like when I said Witch of Wall Street in the beginning, a lot of people were like, oh, that sounds like a bad name. But now you're like, hang the witch. <laughs> She's a witch. She had all the resources in the world, but no understanding of how to use them or apply them. That is the book of Ephesians. This is who you are. This is what your resources are. Now use them. They're at your disposal. It's going to be an awesome book, church. Four, 13 more weeks together with it. Band, come on back up. <clears throat> Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you for our time already in the book of Ephesians. I pray, God, that as we go week by week through this book, um, that we'll find out that we don't have to be unstable, that we don't have to live recklessly, that we've really been given everything we need for stability. Not worldly wealth like heady green, but endless riches in the treasures of Christ. And God, that we would enjoy those riches like peace and love and joy and grace in the here and now, and that we would be wise stewards of those, and we would be grounded in Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. There's one more thing I'd like for us to pray. If you would stand with me. It'll be on the screen. <clears throat> As I was studying through this, Alistair Begg, who, who's a, just an awesome Scottish pastor, he kicked off the time, and this was his opening prayer over his church. And when I read it, I thought, oh my gosh, how all-encompassing. I'd like for us, if you will, to let's, if you're comfortable, raise your hands to the Lord, and let's pray this together as a church. Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us for your Son's sake. Amen.